Hello to everyone listening. My name is Christopher Parker. Uh, I'm fairly new to the congregation and uh, glad to be here at First Baptist Keller. I serve as Pastor Keith's intern here. And uh, since July 1st, I've been in that position and it's been a delight. Uh, Let's look to God in prayer before we start our lesson in Isaiah 46. God, we thank you for uh, who you are. Uh, That's enough to praise you for there. Uh, But you've done so much for us that we can never repay you. We can never thank you enough. You've been so good to us, Lord. We uh, we just thank you for who you are to your people. You're faithful. You're consistent. You're loving. You're forgiving. Uh, You do all these things even though we don't deserve it. You showed your faithfulness, uh, the epitome of your faithfulness, when you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, to die for us, to die for our sins. We thank you for that. We thank you for the opportunity to have salvation. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to come to your word, uh, to study you, to know you better, to understand the plans you have for us um, that you've given us here in your word. So as we study the lesson today, we ask that you would teach us something new about you, that we don't come to this lesson to understand ourselves, but we understand, we come to understand how to know the plan that you have set in place better and how we fit into that plan. So guide our hearts, our minds, and our ears to receive your word uh, in this lesson. In Jesus' name, amen. Today I want to look at Isaiah 46. Uh, in the book it says verses 3 to 13, but I want to look at all 13 verses of Isaiah 46. Bell has bound, bowed down. Nebo stoops over. Their images are consigned to the beast and the cattle. The things that you carry are burdensome, a load for the weary beast. They stooped over. They have bowed down together. They could not rescue the burden, but have themselves gone into captivity. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel. You who have been born by me from birth and have been carried from the womb, even to your old age I will be the same, and even to your grain years I will bear you. I have done it, and I will carry you. I will bear you, and I will deliver you. To whom you liken me, and what make me equal and compare me, that we will be alike. Those lavish, those who lavish gold from the purse and weigh silver on the scale. Hire a goldsmith, and he makes it into a god. They bow down, indeed they worship it. They lift it upon the shoulder and carry it. They set it in its place, and it stands there. It does not move from its place. Though one may cry to it, it cannot answer. It cannot deliver him from his distress. Remember this and be assured. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things long past, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things which have not been done, saying my purpose will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my purpose from a far country. Truly I have spoken, truly I will bring it to pass. I have planned it, surely I will do it. Listen to me, you stubborn-minded, who are far from the righteousness, 
I bring near my righteousness, it is not far off, and my salvation will not delay. And I will grant salvation in Zion, and my glory for Israel. That was the entirety of Isaiah 46, uh, where we see the character of God displayed for us in this chapter. Uh, To understand the context of what's going on here, I think it's best to look at Isaiah 42 as a good place to start looking. Uh, Isaiah 42 shows us the promises of a coming servant. Isaiah 42 verses 1 through 4 uh, tells us about this servant. It says, Behold, my servant who I uphold, my chosen one in whom my soul delights. I put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry out or raise his voice, nor make his voice heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not be disheartened or crushed until he has established justice in the earth, and the coastlands will wait expectantly for his law. And going forth, not only not only do we learn about the servant who will come to serve God's purpose, God tells us something about himself in this chapter. Verse 8 tells us, God says, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another, nor my praise to graven images. Behold, the former things have come to pass. Now I declare new things. Before they spring forth, I will proclaim them to you. In verses 12 and 13, we learn more about the character of the Lord. In verse 13, he tells us that the Lord will go forth like a warrior. He will arouse zeal like a man of war. He will utter a shout. He will praise a war cry. But most importantly in chapter 42, we're told that the Lord will prevail against his enemies. In Isaiah 43 and 44, we learn that the Lord is redeeming Israel and reminding them of who God is and the strong legacy they have come from. Isaiah 44 verse 22, the Lord says, I have wiped out your transgressions like a thick cloud and your sins like a heavy mist. Return to me for I have redeemed you. It seems the constant theme in the book of Isaiah is the Lord reminding the Israelites that they have been redeemed through him. Yet, it seems that they have a problem worshiping idols, which is a constant theme that pops up in the Old Testament dealing with the Israelites. They have a problem with idols. They know where they come from. They know who their God is. They they know the promises that God has given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, yet they resist to put their trust in him. Instead, they, they look to idols to fulfill them, but... As we'll learn in our lesson, that the, the idols that they look to can't really help them. And I think that's the same thing that we all deal with in our lives, that, that we try to put idols in our lives to replace God, but we soon figure out that there is no idol, no thing, no person who can fulfill us in the way that God can. No person, no thing can provide for us the happiness and the joy and the relief that we're looking for in life. And as long as we look to things other than God, we will never have happiness, we'll never have joy, and we'll never live the will of God as he has 
preordained it for us to live. And Isaiah 45, uh, the Lord says that he will use Cyrus to deliver these people. He says here in Isaiah 45 that Cyrus will be the man who accomplishes the plan for Israel. Um, he will come back to this in, in uh, Isaiah 46. He will get back to this in verse 11 of that chapter to, to remind people that he's going to use somebody like Cyrus to deliver them. As we get to our text here, our lesson in chapter 46, God is using this chapter to contrast contrast the idols against him. For the truth of this chapter is that there is no one who compares to God. There is no person who compares to God. There are four truths, there are four lessons that we learn uh, between idols and God. This whole chapter is just contrasting the two groups. And there are four things we learn in this chapter. The first thing that we learn is that idols are constructed. Baal has bowed down, verse 1 says. Nebo has stooped over. Their images are consigned to the beast of the cattle. The things that carry, that you carry are burdensome, a load for the weary beast. They stooped over. They have bowed down together. They cannot rescue the burden, but have themselves gone into captivity. Bel and Nebo are constructed gods. They were the local deity in Babylon. Uh, They were some of the oldest idols in existence. Nebo was the god of wisdom and the god of writing. Uh, These gods were were big parts of the local people. these, as we will learn in the text, these idols were uh, created by the people and then they transported them around uh, using beasts and uh, as their transportation, they used other things to transport these idols. Um, and what we learn is that these people constructed idols that became a burden to them instead of them being able to cast their burdens on the idols. These beasts were heavy. The people's burdens were heavy during this time. And it seems that they wanted the beasts to help them, but the beasts could not do that for them. The beasts, the the idols, excuse me, the idol gods could not carry the burdens of the people. Verse 2 tells us even the idols had gone into captivity. As I was reading and studying the text, it seems that when uh, trouble was coming, they take these beasts Um, and the people who are running away from trouble will take the beasts and carry them with them. And it seems that when you create a God for yourself, you want something that will help you feel liberated and free and something that you feel secure in. But it seems that these idols did not do that for them. These idols created more problems for them. It it became a weight on their shoulders. It it became something that, that seems to be problematic, that using them, uh, didn't do very much for them, but they continue to chauffeur these idols around from town to town uh, because they meant something to them. Idols are created by materials that God created. The people carved and formed idols in the image that they desire for them to be. 
While idols are created beings, God is not. He has created all things. God warranted the Israelites when he gave Moses the Ten Commandments not to put any gods before him because he was a jealous God. These That in their lives, there should be no one or anything that is above God. Uh, God created them. And just like God has created all of us, he has created everything within humanity. And he has a plan for everyone and everything. But when you pushed God to the side and put other things in your lives to fill that role, you can only expect trouble to come to you. But it's interesting that they were avoiding putting their trust in God, but using materials that God created in the earth to create a replacement for him. And I think we're so much the same as these people that we take things in life that God has given us on this earth that are supposed to be blessings, and we take these things and we create them into our gods. God created children. He said children are from him. Babies are a blessing. And some of us take our children, uh, not me, I'm a single man, but some people take their children and make them their idols. They do. They put their children at the forefront of their lives while they push God to the side. They put their kids in sports. They put their kids in all type of musical instrument training. They, they go all out for their children but they don't do the same thing for God. There is no there is no family discipleship. There is no let's get up and go to church on every Sunday morning and learn the word of God. There is there is nothing in their lives that shows that they believe or trust in God. Friends, when we put idols in our lives like this, we get off track from what God has created us to be. These people were made in the image of God, yet they rejected living in that image. Let us not be like that. God created us for a purpose, but we'll never live out that purpose until we live in the way that he created us to live. What verse 2 also tells us is that idols do not have longevity. Just like us, finite beings, idols will one day come to an end. There there will be a day where, where we won't exist or anything in the world won't either, but God will always exist. That is the difference between idols and God, that that God will be here throughout time, but everything else will not be. And sometimes we lose track of that, that God has always been and always will be, that he knows all things, and that that's why we should trust him, because God has a plan that's already been figured out, and his plan will be done no matter what happens that he will fulfill the plan that he has purposed uh, in the world. There's nothing stronger or greater than God that, that can stop him from uh, making his plan happen. That, that is something that will always happen. And the next thing we learn out of the four things, the second thing we learn is that the Lord is constant. After talking to them about the idols that they have placed in their lives, the Lord kind of takes a Another approach to looking at this, he, he flips from talking about the idols to, to talk about himself, to talk about his relationship with the people instead of the idols' relationship with the people. Verses 3 and 4, he talks about this. Listen to me, all house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel. You have been born by my... Excuse me. You have been born by me from birth and have been carried from the womb. 
Even to your old age, I will be the same. And even to your graying years, I will bear you. I have done it and I will carry you. I will bear you and I will deliver you. This is the promise of God to his chosen people. That they were born by him, through him. Before they existed, God knew that they would exist. There's not a generation of the seed of Abraham that God has forgotten about throughout the Old Testament, that God cares about every generation that comes to pass. And in every generation, he reminds them of his love towards them. He reminds them of the plans that he has for them. This, this verse 3 and 4 point us to two things. That, that number one, God has brought us into the earth. We were not brought into the earth by a mistake or, or uh, by someone's will. The, the only way we made it to the earth, the only reason we're born is because God made it happen. God had a plan for Israel in the younger generations, just like he did it in the older generations. That when God created his plan for Israel in the very beginning, he knew what was coming. He knew what was going to happen. And the plan that he created covered all generations of Israel. We are all born to serve a purpose that the Lord has already assigned us to. That is what Jeremiah 1 teaches. Before you were born, uh, I had purposed you out to do something. And the same God who creates a plan for us is the same God who will fulfill that plan in us. The second thing we see in verse 3 and 4 is that God will sustain us while we are on earth. The Lord shares through Isaiah that we will always, that he will always be the same, that he is unchanging from beginning to end. He tells them that even until their old age, the literal translation is that is that he's saying until your gray hair years, until your old age and your latest stages of life, he will always be just that. He will always be faithful to them. In verse 4, he says, I have created you and I will carry you. I will bear you and I will deliver you. Throughout Isaiah, the Lord is constantly reminding the people of Israel who he is, the God that is with them through the good and the bad, the God who will bring them to victory. In the same way, the Lord has purpose, has a purpose and a plan for all of us that he will accomplish through us if we would bow a knee to him and allow him to lead our lives. God cannot work with a stubborn-hearted person who refuses to bow to his plan. That's why as long as we try to make plans for ourselves, they will never work out. In life, we are to trust the plan that God has for us. And I get it. Sometimes God's plan doesn't make sense. Sometimes uh, living and waiting out what that plan will look like is frustrating for many of us. Uh, during this time of COVID, I know that's that's something that has been frustrating many people that you don't know what the, the end result of God's plan is. But if you trust God's plan, it is better than any plan you can make for yourself. And the promise of Scripture is that just like God has a plan for us, he will sustain his plan and he will sustain his people for their lifetime. That God will never start something in us that he will not complete. The Lord will always be with us as long as we stick close to him. The third thing that we learn in this text, Isaiah 46, 
verses 5 through 9, show us that the Lord is greater than any idol. We see here that God is distinct. There is none like him in makeup and in ability. He asks the question in verse 5, To whom will you liken me and make me an equal and compare me to that will be like me? And we already know the answer to that question is that there's no one that we can compare God to. There's no one on his level. There's no one who can do the things that he can do, who can provide the things that he provides. These people have been treating idols like they are the same as God. But in the end, they cannot be compared to God. They are making idols out of what God has made. What God has made for them to be a blessing to them, they're using against him, which is uh, it is disrespectful to God and, and uh, who he is and what he's done and his purpose. But there are no substitutes for a great God. No sinful human can create an equivalent of God in their life. Um, idols do not idols do more harm than good. That is what we learn in verse seven. Uh, verse seven: They lift it up upon the shoulder and carry it. They set it in its place and it stands there. It does not move from its place. The one may cry out to it, it cannot answer. It cannot deliver him from distress. They had to carry these idols from from site to site, and it got burdensome on them and the animals they used to transport them. We see in verse 7, people cry out to these idols, and these idols are unable to help them with their distress. What idols do you try to place in your own life and attempt to Take the place of God. Whatever it is, it will never replace the Lord and what he can do for his people. No matter how much we try to cry out to the idols of our own life, it seems to be when we do this, our burdens only get heavier. That, that we, we try to make our own idols to relieve ourselves. Uh, but after a while, the, these idols will only bring more pain to our lives. That, that we thought we were getting relief, but... When we go to these idols, they, they only bring up more of the problem that we face. The only way that we can have uh, a uh, the only way that we can have peace and that we can have joy and uh, happiness in life is if we trust God and if we take to God our burdens, because He is the only person to ever exist who can carry all the burdens of humanity on His shoulders and have room for more. These idols are, are constructed beings. They are made to eventually phase out. They're made to break down because they cannot carry these loads. And that's why we should put our trust in God because he's a friend who wants to carry our burdens. We don't have to create God. He's already He's created us. He knows our burdens and he's just waiting for us to take our burdens and give them to him. Verses 8 and 9 he says, remember this and be assured. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things long past, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me. There is no one like Jesus, like God, excuse me. There is no one like God. God is um, before time. He existed. Uh, he created us. There's, there's nothing in your life, if you think, that compares to God in its makeup. 
God is a special person, uh, and there's no other person on the face of the planet who can say that I created all things. That is God. And if if God created all things, he knows all things. And why won't we put our trust in a God who knows all things, who knows how everything is made and how everything operates? Uh, if we put our trust in a God, we can save ourselves from so much trouble in life. Often in life, we clump Jesus and we clump God, excuse me, into this very generic category of people and things, and yet we forget who he truly is. God is distinct and different from any other thing that exists. He is more loving. He is more powerful. He is more helpful than anything in this world. And when we recognize that, when we recognize who he is, that should lead us closer to him. Properly understanding the character and attributes of God should only lead us closer to him. It should make us love him more and be more thankful to him. And the fourth thing that we see here in verses 10 through 13 is that the Lord's plan is worth trusting. Verses 10 to 13 says, Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient, ancient times things which have not been done, saying, My purpose will be established, and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my purpose from a far country. Truly I have spoken, truly I will bring it to pass. I have planned it, surely I will do it. Listen to me, you stubborn-minded, who are far from righteousness. I bring near my righteousness, it is not far off. And my salvation will not delay. I will grant salvation in Zion and my glory in Israel. Declaring the end from the beginning shows us that the Lord has already put in place a plan that has been configured and will eventually be completed. For the current day Christian, this is good news, that God has put a plan in place that he will complete. The New Testament tells us that he is that has begun a good work in us will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. God does not start something in us that he will not finish through us. The Lord has arranged future victory for his chosen people. That is what we first learn in verses 10 to 13. God has um, he has arranged that there will be victory for Israel. How that victory comes. He says, calling a bird of prey from the east, meaning Cyrus, the man of my purpose from a far country. We learned in uh, Isaiah 45 that this person he is speaking of is Cyrus. He says, truly I have spoken, truly I will bring it to pass. The Lord who has chosen Israel from the beginning says, I will not stop until I achieve victory for you and through you. God loves his chosen people so much that he says, no matter what wrong you do, I will always be your God. Whether you want to um, love me and treat me the way I should be treated as your God, I will still be there just in case that you recognize that I am your God. This is the same thing for New Testament believe, believers such as ourselves. That, And as we studied the doctrine of assurance this past week, no matter how far us as sheep wander away from God, he is the shepherd who looks for us to return to him. He goes out seeking us. That God will, God will never stop loving his people, but he only wants us to come 
and enjoy him and live within him and trust him with our full lives. And these people, he uses two words in the book of Isaiah 40, in chapter 46, Isaiah, he says, verse 12, you stubborn minded. He's talking about the same people uh, that he mentioned in verse 8 when he called them transgressors. Uh, these are people who refuse to put their trust in the Lord for deliverance. These are people who are living in tough times, but refuse to trust God because they don't feel that God has a plan for them. I think during these times, we know many people, and there might be someone who's listening now who finds it very hard to trust God, though you might have lost your job, though a family member, a close friend might have died from COVID. Um, in life, things come up that can push us so far away from God. But God says, even though tough things happen in our lives, he still has a plan for us that is worth us trusting in. This is a God we should put our trust in because he will be with us through these tough times. Not only that, but the Lord will restore those who remain faithful in him, those who remain hopeful in him, those who continue to trust him. Listen to me, you stubborn-minded, verse 12, who are far from righteousness. I will bring near my righteousness, it is not far off, and my salvation will not delay. And I will grant salvation in Zion and my glory in Israel. The end of this teaches us that the Lord fulfills his plan. This is the faithful God that we serve, a God who starts something and someone who finishes something. And look at the end goal of his plan that it will bring glory. It will bring glory for Israel. That when this plan is completed, Israel will look back and say, the faithful God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the God who brought us through this. And at the end of the day, when God does something, when God has a purpose, it is not for us to celebrate for ourselves what he has done, not to flaunt the goodness of God, but everything that happens in life is to bring glory back to God in everything. The Lord says that he will bring back righteousness and salvation will return. It will not be delayed that he will grant salvation to these people. And that is still true to this day that we don't live in exile. We aren't Israelites who are um, living in captivity. But we are like the Israelites in that we turn away from God in our own lives. We turn away from God. We look to other things for fulfillment. And friends, during this tough time of life, the only person who can bring us back to where we ought to be, the only person who can restore our nation, the only person who can grant salvation is God through his son, Jesus Christ. And that's our hope, that what we're living through now God can bring us through. That the same faithful God who brought these people through is the same faithful God who will bring us through. The same faithful God who established salvation back then is the God who has already established salvation for us. And in the days and months ahead, we don't know what's coming, but God does. 
God knows what is coming next in our lives. And the only way to really be prepared for it is to put our trust in such a faithful God. That's our lesson. God is faithful and worthy of our trust. Let's pray. God, we thank you for what we have learned from your word. I thank you for allowing me to teach this lesson. I pray that those listening to it have been blessed by your words, not mine. These are words of yours. You're just using me. Uh, I ask that they be blessed from this message, Lord, that you will remind them that you have you have a plan for them that existed before they were born. And even in tough times now, that plan will not be stopped. That the end goal of your plan is to bring glory to you. And through everything we face in life, Lord, let it let it bring glory to your name and your name alone. Let us not look to create idols in tough times and things um, to replace you, but no matter what's going on in our life, allow us to understand that you are the only person worthy of our trust, worthy of our obedience. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness that endure throughout the ages. Great is your faithfulness to your people, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.